Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Morning, everybody. You doing all right? Hey, well done, dude. That was cool. We've fallen in love with your son. I don't know where he is. He's around here somewhere. He's a cutie. Yeah, everybody doing okay? Nice to see some new faces. Nice to see some renewed faces. And if you're not either of those, it's just nice to see you anyway. Uh, my name is Jonathan. It's a real honour to be part of what God is doing in uh, Kingdom Faith here and in Kingdom Faith generally. We're excited. I'm excited. Is anybody else in the room excited apart from myself? Anybody at the back? Give us a wave. Good to see you all. Good to see everybody. Hello. Hello. Loads of people are coming back from holidays, from having breaks, all this kind of thing. And you come back, you're here on a really, really significant Sunday. Andrea's back, all the way from Holland. If you're just certain a person next to you and say, it is great that you're here today. Because, say because, God has a great plan for you. In fact, God only has great plans, and all of his plans are for you. So God has a great plan for you. So whether you really know God much this morning, or whether you've known him for a while, or whether you're just kind of used to him and don't now, the plan that God has for you has never, ever changed. Isn't that good to know? Just kind of just think about that for a moment. However well we have done, or not done, However successful we think we have been or not been, the plan that God has for you has never, ever changed. I'm going to say that again. Whether we've mucked up, whether we feel close to God or not close to God, whether we think we've done the last thing God said or we've ignored it, the plan that God has for you has never changed. The reason is you didn't think of it. God thought of it. So the plan of God is like God. And how many of you know that God never changes? He is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and guess what? He will be the same tomorrow. So his plan for you is the same. He wants to prosper you. So just say the word prosper. Because sometimes we think prosper means we have to talk kind of American. And we have to say, you know, I'm blessed because I've got a big house. And you... No, no. God wants to prosper you. That word means abundantly healthy and fruitful. He wants you and he wants me to be abundantly. Just say abundantly. That's not just two buns having a dance. He wants you and I to be overwhelmed with God's generosity. So this autumn, and we kind of, I know we're not in autumn yet, Equinox people, and, but we're into an autumn season and the, and the message that God is going to be bringing Sunday by Sunday by Sunday over these next few weeks across the whole church is how, how does God want you and me to live like Jesus in this world? How many of you are kind of half interested in that? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a world outside the, the, you know, the 16 millimetres of window there. There's a whole world out there that doesn't know God like we do doesn't know God like you do. Even if you don't really know God much, you know something's happening to you this morning because God's presence is here. 
Maybe you can't work it out. Maybe you can't put words around it. But let me tell you that we, we sang a song a little bit earlier and it's come out during service, is that grace and mercy are in the room today. They're in the room today because God is in the room today. And I just want to unpack again what grace and mercy means, what it means to me and what it means to us. Mercy means God stops me getting what I deserve to get. Mercy means that Jesus steps in front of all the rubbish that I deserve and takes it for me. Mercy says someone will put themselves between hurt and between my heart and said, I'll take it for you. Mercy means that even rejection coming towards me, he'll stand in front of me and says, I don't want you to have that, give it me. Mercy is, I see it as a physical force field. It isn't, it's Jesus. It's like a physical force field that steps between what I deserve and what I'm going to get. It's mercy. Mercy is a person, his name is Jesus. And mercy will not allow defeat to be our victor. Because the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. So if you're not feeling that great, if you're not feeling on top of your game at the minute, if you're not feeling any of that stuff, let me tell you, mercy is here for you this morning. Woohoo! Mercy wants you to live free from judgment, pain, fear and death. Hallelujah! And then grace. Grace is a person. It's the same person, actually. And grace stands in between you and everything, everything that we all, we shouldn't get that, we shouldn't get blessed, we shouldn't get love, we shouldn't get relationship with God. And, and Grace says, well, I'm going to give it you anyway. <laughs> but I shouldn't know God. I know me. Yeah, God knows you. I shouldn't have a relationship with Jesus because, because. And Grace comes and says, trust in me and you can have it. I don't deserve for God to use my life. Let's, let's have faith in the grace of God. So mercy stands in the way and stops you and me getting what we deserve. And Grace is the way. And he gives us actually what we don't deserve. We don't deserve to be so loved by God. But we are. We don't deserve to be so blessed by God. What does bless mean? It means this, this sense of God's presence that just makes stuff happen. The Bible says that in the blessing of the Lord there is no trouble in it. So this whole series of Sundays from now until kind of near, near the end of the year, it's going to be about how... How do we live with this tremendous dynamic reality of grace and mercy as a reality, not just in my life, but in the, in the lives of people around us, in our workplaces, in our marketplaces, in our home places? How do we live like Jesus wants us to live? Are, we, are you interested in that? Yeah. You need to come back next week and week after and keep hearing a bit more because the very, very first thing I'm just going to give an overview for, and we've heard some of it already, is... In kingdom faith, one of the ways in which we prove that mercy is real and grace is real is through small groups. Because it's really, really easy, it could really be easy for you and me to live our Christian walk just with me and Jesus, just me and Jesus, me and Jesus, hallelujah. Sometimes we've got to get saved out of isolation. Because actually it's never just me and Jesus, it's me and Jesus and us. Because this grace put me into a family that I never chose. You know, that being rude, you probably wouldn't have chosen me. Don't answer that. that. That's not a permission to answer. It's just a statement, all right? I'm, I'm secure, hallelujah. 
But this grace means that I've been put into, we've been put into, if you know Jesus, into a family that is vibrant and passionate, that is stronger together than it will ever be on its own. I can run fast, maybe not as fast as I used to. I was pretty nippy on my feet. Stop it. I was pretty fast, but I've realised that running fast only gives me pleasure. Running together gives us pleasure because we run further together. We run out of weakness. We run out of sickness. We run out of need. We run, we run past those things. Because when we're together, man, we, we encourage each other. We, we motivate each other. We're there to pray and see God's best for each other. That's something to test me. I mean, I was waiting for the testimony, Emily. I don't know why you didn't give it. I'm going I'm to nick your testimony. Not that long ago, over the summer break, this one was taken into hospital about to die. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. She was about to die twice. <laughs> That's not what you meant, was it? It was serious. In one sense, where was mercy and where was grace in that? I don't know, but I know where Jesus was. Because people just got to hear it. It's like, this isn't right. This isn't God's best. This isn't how God wants fit for Emily. And they got to pray. What happened? They laid hands on you and boom! Suddenly she was totally restored and shocked everybody in the hospital. You can say thank you, Jesus, because that's grace. So there she is at death's door for one minute, then at God's door for a second, and it changed her totally. I thought you were going to say that. Sorry to embarrass you. Not that, sorry. Because it just so encouraged me over the break. It was like, what's the matter with you? So I had this, I had this. I said, you're joking. I couldn't walk properly. You're joking. I couldn't even speak properly. Sometimes that's not always a bad thing. But you're joking. (laughs) But the point was is that she connected, and even when she couldn't, her small group connected with the grace of God. I said, God, this isn't right. God, you've got more than this for Emily. Please do something. Guess what? He did. Sorry to steal your testimony, but it's worth it. So there's grace, there's mercy, and small groups, what an opportunity to meet up with a bunch of people that you don't like and love them. That's what it's about. What a great opportunity to find out just how bad we are at getting on with people. I, I, you're going to hear a bit more about my small group next week, but actually mine is the one to recommend more than anybody else's, <laughs> in my mind. But for me, the whole dynamic of being, doing life together, is essential. Because we, we, can, we can think, oh, I've got to get through this on my own, and there's a sense that we're never alone without Christ. But when you give your life to Jesus, he puts you into a body. And we need the lungs that we were singing about. We need the brain that we were singing, using to sing. We need the arms. We, we need one another. It's essential. And where I've seen the, the expression of grace and mercy over this last two semesters, I've been certainly doing small groups, but, but being in them for a lot longer, is I sit there on that first evening thinking, oh, what a bunch. What a bunch. Who would have picked a bunch like this? At the end of it, you think, what a family. At the beginning of it, you think, well, I don't know why I'm here with him. I don't know why they're... Whatever you're thinking, I don't know what we're going to get out of this. I don't know what... It all can start from a very me perspective. But after a few weeks, actually, it's about us. 
It's not about me. It's about us. You, you understand that? And I think as people, there is something that God puts into our heart when we give our life to Jesus. We'll look at some scriptures in a moment. Is that there is something which I will never, ever get if I'm just walking with Jesus on my own. I just never get it. I never see everything. And Jesus wants us to see everything. Is that all right? Just make sure the person next to you is awake. Give them a little tackle or a, give them a tickle. If, if you're married to them, you can give them a little kiss on the cheek. If you're not, don't. <laughs> so we're into a season. So we're still with me because I've only got a few minutes, right? We're into a season where God is wanting us to live out of a tough love. Now, I don't mean harsh and hard. I mean this love is not going to give up on people. I mean this love is going to look out over the vista of our lives and say, God can change that. God can change you. God can sort that. God can sort you. And guess what? The first people that are going to come into that reality is you and me. We had an impact prayer meeting last Wednesday, and to be honest, I thought it would just be me and a, and a couple of anointed cats and dogs and the cleaner. I thought, that's okay. Hallelujah. We're just going to pray anyway. Thank you, Jesus. And ten of us were there, which is pretty good. But the passion, the love, the sound was like, actually, we're not here for us. We're here for the 118,000 people that live outside the, the life that we're in. And we want to see God's... And I was humbled. I was extremely excited. I was pretty tired. But how many of you know the love of God sustains you? How many of you know that when we're doing stuff for ourselves, we run out of strength after a while? But when we let God do it through us, his strength is eternal strength. We don't go from weakness to weakness. The Bible says we go from strength to strength. But sometimes the go from is we need to work. We need to work. Man, sometimes I can get more tired by doing nothing than I can by doing something for God. How many of you know that's true for you? Right. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, just have a chill out time. My wife will back. It takes me ages to get to a point where I want a chill out time because my brain tells me, you've got to do that. No, no. The grace tells me, just trust in me and I'm going to do it through you. I've still got to get my head around it. But what I'm finding is love works through something. Love isn't just, say it with flowers, love works through something. It's like faith. My faith in Jesus works through something. I can't just go around saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. How many of you have seen the end of Shrek? You need to. Get out more. I believe, I believe, I believe. It's, it's, not, it's not repetitive, it's sounding melodic. It's faith works through something. And we're in a season now where God wants to inject. He wants to invade he wants to invest in our heart in your heart and in my heart something that's going to release faith and love all things are possible my, my family life can be this because god said it can be this my marriage if i'm married can be that because god said it can be like that my workplace relationships can be this because god said this my own journey with god can be that because god said it's that do you, do you know what i'm saying so faith and love work together hallelujah so let's have a look and see what kind of this is going to look like. Two words that came out of a prayer meeting. A few of us met up and prayed a couple of weeks ago and then also last week. And there's two words particularly that came out of those meetings. One was this one, and it's called uh, resurgent. Say resurgent. It can sound like a very complicated word, 
But actually, if you look at the dictionary, it means it's an increase or reviving of activity. God wants our love, our faith, to be resurgent. He wants to activate you and me in a fresh way. Okay? By the sound of the response, he needs to do that. He, he needs to activate your faith and my faith in a new way. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But God wants us to please him. God didn't make me or you not to please him. He was pleased to make you and he's pleased when we believe him. So I don't know about you, but I want to believe God more than I have. So there's this word that came out. You can write it down. It's called resurgent. He wants a resurgence of faith. Faith in the word, faith in who God is, faith in who you are in God. And the second word was rampant. Say rampant. That's a great word, rampant. I like that word. What that word means is it flourishes and spreads out unchecked. Some of you might think it means something else. Take that thought captive. Hallelujah. There's a resurgence in our heart. There's a resurgence in our thinking. There's a resurgence in our speaking. There's a resurgence in our activity that is going to be new and fresh. It's going to be God-inspired activity that's going to be rampant. It's going to be rampant amongst the homeless community. It's going to be rampant amongst the abused community. It's going to be rampant amongst those who are just single or lonely or broke. It's going to be rampant. It's going to spread and move without getting checked. That's where we need to go in the autumn. We need to go there all the time, but God is saying that particularly in this season. So I'm just going to read out a whole chunk of scripture, and I know that God is going to speak to all of you in the room through some of these scriptures. A few verses have come up on the screens. On one of them, and, and Andrea wouldn't have this, is I'm going to use two translations. One is the NIV, the nearly infallible version, and the other one's the New King James or the Queen Elizabeth version, <laughs> in my mind, because it just gives a little bit of a better translation for one particular verse. Are you ready? This is a great piece of the Bible. It comes from 1 John. So just to preface this, John, as far as John was concerned, and history kind of supports this, John was a follower of Jesus. But he followed Jesus with his heart, not his head. Peter followed Jesus with his head, which is why he just did stuff. Went boom! And then said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But it's too late. I'm going to do it anyway. But it's, in Scripture, in, in one of the Gospels, it said this, this follower, John, he, he was so close that he put his head on the very heart or the chest or the breast of Jesus. And that indicates a, a real intimacy, a closeness. A, I, God just, I don't just want to hear your words, Jesus. I want to hear what your heartbeat sounds like. I don't just want to hear your breath. I want to hear what it sounds like in your lungs. I don't just want to see what you exhale. I want to hear what you inhale. Come on! This is what happens. This is... I mean, Dan's not here. Our, our ambulance driving person. What, what are they called? Paramedic, that's the word. But he would tell you, if you want to find out the condition, put your ear to something. And it says that John put his ear to the, to the chest of Jesus. And I just get such an imagery there. And here's, here's a statement. God wants you to have that same experience. He wants you and me to hear the heartbeat of God, the heartbeat of Jesus, to hear not just the exhale, everything that Jesus did, but hear the inhale. How did he relate to his father? 
How did he relate to the people of the time? How did he relate to religious people? How did he relate to sinners? How did he relate to prostitutes? How did he relate to the broken? He wants us to hear that so that we can do the same. So here we are. This is one of the letters, a smaller letter in the Bible that this guy wrote. First bit's up there. Well done. Dear friends, which is good. How many of you know it's good? It's better to be a friend of God than an enemy. I, I, I spent too long being an enemy of God. 26 years. I was really good at being an enemy. <laughs> and then suddenly I gave up. I thought, yes, God, you win. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Here's a, here's a good statement. Because, how many of you know that God loves you? How many of you are not kind of sure? Well, just, just, just go with it. If we know that God loves us, we really should love one another. And that word love is the same word. So in the same way that I think God loved me is how I think I should love each other. Well, I need some help with that. And small groups are a good forum for that. Freedom is a good forum for that. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is amazing. God is complete in his love. The Bible says he is love. But he wants to complete his love in us. How? By loving each other. You can't have a complete love by just knowing God loves you. That's how I'm made complete. But we're made complete by loving one another. And then take it to another stage. The world out there is incomplete without knowing the love of Jesus. So over these weeks, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some encouragements. There's going to be some real high moments as we encounter Jesus. There's going to be some challenging moments where it's like Jesus says, right, now get on with it. But why? Because he wants us to complete something. But we can only do that with another. This is how we know we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So this morning, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the the energy of God, the the personality of God, who helps energise every emotion, every thought, every feeling, like Jesus was, we need that spirit in our lives. The Bible says it's the same spirit that we believe, and therefore we speak. So if we're going to aspire to everything that God wants you to aspire to, we need some help to believe that. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the spirit of faith. But it's that same spirit that the Bible also calls the spirit of love. Because let me tell you, people are really hard to love. Have you found that? If you're a small group leader, you know that. People are really hard to love. Which is why God doesn't say, well, love them and do it on your own. He says, love them and I'll help you. He says, love them and I'll enable you. But I don't want to love them. First, he has to deal with our heart. We need to want to love them. And then suddenly we find that there's a resurgence in our heart. Let's go on and read a little bit more of this. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Here's a good reality. I think for all of us in the room, and I don't know what experience of fathers, mums, dads we've had, but God wants us to know God as Father in a new way. That Father heart, that Father role that always wants his children to succeed. That's the Father's heart. That's this Father's heart. The Father's heart that only wants the best for his children. God wants us to experience that. So park whatever our natural fathers were or weren't or whatever. I mean, I know some of you got, you know, Christian parent, but just park that for the moment. The point is, is that God wants you and I to know what it means to be loved by a father. 
because as soon as we know that, we become children of God. And the Bible says several times that when you give your life to Jesus, you become a child of God. So he wants you and I to live in a new understanding of being a father. It goes on and says this, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, say anyone. I don't just love words like that. Anyone, everyone. I love the fact that Jesus qualifies the disqualified. Anyone who comes to me. And when we were praying at the impact, sorry to keep reflecting on that, but it's just we're in the season. Is what we started with is just, Jesus just said, come. Come. He didn't say, come if you're six foot, come if you're earn over 40,000 a year, come if you've got this. He just said, no, just come. He said, come anyone. In fact, he said, come everyone. He was more surprised that people didn't come than those that did. And this invitation is out there. Anyone, come anyone. Come anyone, 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 anyone. All you've got to do is come to me, not to a program, not to a Sunday. Plus you come to me, because when you come to me, you come to us. You come to us. I'm getting near this scripture that is the key, but this is why I've got two translations. So we know and rely on the love love God has for us. God is love. Just say God is love. love. It's great, isn't it? So this morning when we were praying, we were praying God is love. When we were encountering God in the worship, God is love. When we're hearing it now, hopefully you're hearing the love of God. It might be a bit of a challenge. But how many of you know that love challenges? Love doesn't put every excuse under the carpet and say it's all right. What love says is actually it can be all right. You just need to sort it out. And I'll help you sort it out. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. And this is the crunch. This is going to be the, 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 the part of scripture that you're going to hear loads of times. NIV says this, in this world we are like Jesus. Woohoo! In the New King James it says, love has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. What a challenge! What a heart aspiration that God has for you and for me. He wants you and me to be like Jesus in the world today. I think that is mind-blowing. He wants you and I, the church, the small groups, the Sunday teams, the worship team, forget the team bit. He wants you and I to be like Jesus today. (laughs) Woohoo! I think that's got to be worth a, a yahoo. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, can't get your head round it, give your face a morning off and... Be, yeah, hallelujah, yeah, that's cool. God wants us to be like Jesus in the world. And guess what? He's done everything to make that possible. And we're going to start digging into some of those in the weeks to come. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect enough. God wants to drive any fear out of your heart this morning. He's not judging you. He's not, he's, not, he's not got an issue with you. But we just need to know the love of God. Because when we know that, fear, just goodbye. Shut the door behind you. Hallelujah. Fear gets in the car and drives the other way. Because the love of God has no fear in it. And it may be over these weeks, God just sets us free from some areas of anxiety, worry, concern, the nail-biting stuff. Fear. Because in love, there isn't any. 
This is the, an ouch one. Get out of verse 20, 21. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, just unpack that word hate. doesn't mean that you've got their picture on the board and you chuck nails at it. <laughs> Although for some of you, that might be what you do. This is the same kind of word that Jesus said. It was a bit random. His followers kind of, what is it? They came in one day and said, oh, your mum, your, your, your family are outside. And he said, well, who are my family? And Jesus re re-outlined in his view what family was. Family is people who love Jesus and who love those in Jesus and who love the world with Jesus. So it wasn't hate as in, I hate their guts because actually you've probably never seen them. What this meant is if you're not loving each other like God loved us, it's like hating them. Now we don't like that, but that's what that says. Now what I'm not saying is that you hate each other. What I'm saying is, is God wants us to love each other with his love. And if we do, it's impossible to hate each other. Because some of you might have, oh, he said that I hate people. No, but that isn't what I said. What it says is, whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they see cannot love God. They can't. And a new commandment I give to you. Anyone who loves God must also love their brethren or sisterin. I put that in, okay? Just for the men and the women, just to make sure we're all right here. So over these weeks, we're going to look at different things. What we're going to look at? How Jesus related to his father. What kind of words did he use? What kind of actions did he do? How did he respond to the people around him? How did he not react in the way that maybe we would have done? What was his attitude around the Beatitudes, those scriptures where we have to be like those. But all of, all of this season, we're going to kind of close and, and respond to this, is don't forget we're under grace. This is not some kind of, let's see how well I'm doing. This is about God is opening up a whole new season for you and for me to put our ear on his heart in a fresh way. Is opening a whole new season. So this is grace, because we don't deserve this. All right? So this is a grace time where God is saying, come. Come, come to me. All of you. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you feel fit, if you don't feel fit, just come anyway. Because when we encounter the heart of the Father, it reinforces that we're sons of God. And it's that that as a leadership, we believe God wants us to live in. So let's all stand up, shall we? Thank you for listening. Because I started to speak this message kind of last night a little bit and to myself this morning, I was getting really uncomfortable with it. To be honest with you, I was thinking, well, I don't love like that. And he says, yeah, I know. Which is why he has to. I don't even like people like that. He says, well, I know that too, which is why I'm going to work through you. <laughs> John's saying, so... So don't, don't, please don't sit there or stand there thinking it's all right for you because it's not all right for me. We're, we're all in the journey together. <laughs> but can I just say this? Just close your eyes a minute. It does all go dark and it's fine, all right? <laughs> we're not afraid of the dark. You know, we sang some tremendously powerful, inspirational, very God-focused songs earlier. But let's not detract from the quality of the song, the quality of the one that we were singing about. 
Because if you know Jesus, it is his breath that fills your lungs right now. You think, we might think it's you, but it's not you, it's him. And you might be feeling like you're dry bones left at the side of a valley and God is saying, no, these bones will live. But they'll only live in community. God doesn't want some dodgy looking femur running up and down the road on its own. And he wants to connect it to a hip and to a leg. I'm just trying to use that because you'll get what I mean. He doesn't want to use some you know, radius bone on its own because that would just be weird. No, no, he wants to join it with something else. Have you got that? So when you, when you hear this, you know, these bones will live. It's not this bone will live. These bones will live. So here's a challenge. And I said to the guys at the beginning, I said, this, everybody's probably going to get challenged by this. If you know your relationship with God is not where you want it to be, I want to pray for you. If you don't even know God at all, I want to pray for you. If you just want to be more used by God, and let me tell you, God never abuses, he always uses. Love doesn't abuse. Love is kind, patient. If you want to be used more by God, I want to pray for you as well. If you're kind of sitting there or standing there thinking, well, I don't know what this means, I want to pray for you too. <laughs> because let me tell you a secret, I have no idea what it means either. All I know is, is I, my, my heart is now set on a pilgrimage, a journey. God, I'm just going to put my head on your heart, whatever it takes to get there. I want to listen to the exhale and the inhale of God. I want to hear what, how your heart beats. I want to get the rhythm of it. I want to get the pulse of it. I want to get the pressure of it. Because I know that's what you've done for me. Jesus died on the cross and we sang this tremendous song, powerful song. Jesus didn't go to the cross just so that you'd feel nice. He went to the cross so that you give your life to him and get his back. Jesus does not do our lives up. He swaps our lives for his. He doesn't come and do a refurb on our old life. He comes and says, I can't use that, not going to use that. Guess what? I'll give you a new one instead. But it's a trade and it's at the cross. I'll give you my life, you give me yours. And boom, suddenly... The Bible says that we become new, new people. So if you, if you just know that your relationship with God right now isn't where you want it to be, nobody's looking at you, just very quickly raise your hands because I want to pray for you right now. Thank you, we've got some honest people in the room. Hallelujah. Because everybody's hands should be up. Why am I basing that on? Book of Acts. Because if we were really loving how God was wanting us to love, we'd be seeing miracles every day, miracles every morning, people getting saved every day. We see people that so we all probably need to put our hand up to that one. If you just want to be used much more by God than you've seen God use you before, just put your hand up because I want to pray for you as well. It's great, isn't it? Well, let, let me just tell you the connection between the two is usually we do out of who we think we are. If we don't think we're very good at God can use healing for us, we won't we won't go there. But Father, I want to thank you right now that your presence is here. Your love is here. Your grace is here. Your mercy, oh God, is here. And God, I, I, I just, I can only speak in my mouth. God, I want you to take my heart and draw it close to yours. I want you to take my mind, the way I think, how I think, and draw my mind closer to your heart. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our helper. You are our guide. You are our comforter. You are our everything. Holy Spirit, just come upon people right now, whether they're standing or kneeling, whether we know you well or whether we don't know you at all. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know in their heart that if they were to drop down dead right now, they'd go to heaven. God, please show them. Please show them that you are the way into life. You are the way into truth. That you don't turn anybody away from the possibility of knowing you and having a relationship with you. So I thank you right now. You know our hearts, oh God. You know where we're at. You know where we think we're at and the reality of where we're at. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're drawing everyone, everyone over these weeks, through Sundays, through uh, small groups, through freedom, whatever it is that we want to get involved with God at the end of it, we want to walk with you. We want to follow you. We want to be close with you. And we want to make a difference to the world that you've put us in. So I just pray for everyone here, every household represented. We just, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is going to be a week where you release your, your grace, your mercy. Oh, your faith arises. Love is expressed because, Jesus, we want you to receive all the glory and we want you to receive all the praise. Hallelujah. Come on, just thank you where you're standing and whether you're seated. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.